MPI Paranormal Radio. The truth is to be found. An internet radio show dedicated to the open discussion of different paranormal topics by the military paranormal investigations. Our aspiration is to research and discover the possibilities of scientific reasons to a field of study which many do not believe to be supported by facts. Military Paranormal Investigations is not affiliated to any branch of the military. We are a science-based paranormal research organization of active duty and retired military members, dependents, and or friends located out of Wichita Falls, Texas. Recorded or live, broadcasting with shoutcast on multiple websites to get the maximum reach. Now, here are your hosts, members of the MPI team. Good evening and welcome to Military Paranormal Radio. My name is Mike. I'm Rob. I'm Paul. And I'm Jeff. We want to welcome you to tonight's show. And I think we got a pretty good show for you. But first, I just want to stress that we're not related to any branch of the military. Exactly. No affiliation whatsoever. The only reason we have military paranormal is because we used to be military members. Now we're retired. But when we started, we were all active duty. And we just wanted to show some way of that we're professionals out there. So, But hey, remember, we need to give a shout out to our active duty members that are still part of our organization. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, I don't know how many of you guys have been to our website, but Military Paranormal Investigations, our, our website is militaryparanormal.com. We also have a Facebook out there. If you do a Facebook search, just one word, Military Paranormal. We also have a YouTube account. You're going to search, once again, one word, Military Paranormal. All right, and our likers and subscribers also get their own URL. Yeah, definitely like, because if we get 100 on YouTube, we'll get our own URL for that one. There we go, and it'll make it easier for you to find us. Right. We also have a shout-out to some of our Podbean members that are starting to subscribe to us. We had two new users here just today, as a matter of fact. We had... um, Penny Reeves, Casey, Casey, I'm sorry, and Chuck McNutt, 55. And I also wanted to give a shout-out to a group of friends of mine at the Aimless Adventures Podcast. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Podbean. But just a bunch of geeks that talk about games, tech, and D&D. Give them a look out over there. They've got a lot of reviews and things like that. Some pretty good material you can take a look at. Yeah, and if you want to get a hold of us as well, you can email us at radioshow at militaryparanormal.com. And also, we it's not quite fully functional yet, but I wanted to give it another plug. We've got our forum coming back online here to have a lot of followers on there. We've got that coming back up, so keep an eye out on that, and we're going to have that going, and you can you can talk to us most of the time. Most evenings, you'll catch one of us, one of our full-time members on there, and you'll be able to chat with us or ask us some questions or something like that as well. Now, for our show tonight, I think we're going in a good direction. We need to talk... Like our, our first show, we talked a little bit about military paranormal investigations and what we're all about that one. And then our second show, we did basically a Paranormal 101. This one, we had some people contact us and say, well, how do you guys do an investigation out there? So I figured, why not? Let's go ahead and throw a show together on how we actually investigate. We're going to talk a little bit about that with some research, how we set it up, the different teams that we have, uh, reviews, parties that we do, and a couple of debriefs, how we debrief out there. And then I figured we, the four of us could go ahead and talk about some of our favorite cases that we've done. That sounds really good. You know, I think, uh, Rob, uh, that this is what sets us apart from other paranormal groups is the way we do our investigations, the control that we have. You know, we talked about that some last week, but I think that this is what sets us apart from a lot of the other groups that are out there and I think really makes our what we find a lot more valid. Definitely. I actually had a listener contact me and tell me that they listened to our podcast and they were really impressed with us because of they were thinking it was going to be something like Ghost Hunters. When they listened to it, they had a completely different aspect, a view of how we do things. They're like, you really explained things to me. I really got in tuned in it and I can't wait for you guys to do your next podcast. So. You know, also, one thing I wanted to say is, if you missed it, please go back and look at our second show. We had five great samples of EVPs on there, and that's the most feedback that I got. I had quite a few people that told me that they really enjoyed those. Those were some good quality ones. And we hope to have a whole lot more of that in our future episodes. Definitely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of our future episodes, especially now that we got Jeff here. You know, There we go. <laughs> All right. So, 
let's talk a little bit about how we initially begin our, our, our cases. Typically what's going to happen is we're going to get a request, usually through email or through our internet our website or something. You know, sometimes we, we, when we're out and about, some people will ask us. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to assign it to a case, a case manager. And they're going to make the initial contact, the initial contact, and we're going to start doing our research as far as is what the history of the location is, what you know, what has gone on there. We're just going to ask pretty much a bunch of different questions out there. Right. We have an entire checklist, pretty much, and you know the normal stuff. Did what sounds did you hear? Um, how many people live in the house? Uh, from do you have things banging? Do you have things moving? Just a witness interview, pretty right, much, is right. what it is. You know what? What time? What time does it happen? Does it happen more than one time? Is it? Is it? Is it something that other people have noticed? And then we can compare those notes with other witness, other potential witnesses. Man, I know and a lot of. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know Jeff. He he's normally the one that makes the contact out there because they'll contact us and we'll send out the public relations. So right. I'll let Jeff go ahead and talk about what he does. Yeah, as they said, one of the things that I'll do is I'll make contact with a customer, whether over phone or in person. And I'll just talk to them about what things they're experiencing, whether it be at a home location, a military site, or whatever. We do it the same way. Uh, we'll follow up with another member of our team. We'll make a follow-up contact to see if they provide the same information to us. You know, a lot of times us doing that, we make the, uh, the person making the claim a little more comfortable. There's been numerous times that, you know, that I've been talking to somebody and they've been hesitant to tell you something. A lot of times, people think that you're that you're um, you're crazy or something right. like that. Once we get to talking to them and they realize, hey, we're taking their claim seriously, then we're able to maybe get them to open up a little more and they start telling us a little more about what's going on. And a lot of times, those missing pieces are really makes a big difference in the way we do the investigation in the end. Right. And the thing I like about how we do it is once we do the witness statements. Then we are also tie in our, our psychological questions in there just to make sure, and it, it helps the, as Jeff would say, our customer or our client a little bit more comfortable because we ask them and we tell them straight off the bat, okay, these questions are going to seem kind of weird to you. But we want to make sure it's a valid investigation that, okay, these really aren't. Well, have, I mean, there, there may be some underlying issues. You know, exactly. They may be under, uh, under stress. Stress, right. Um, a lot of things. So, you know, they might have just had a recent event that's happened in their life that's really keying off a lot of psychological effects that may be happening. So we can actually get to the bottom of it right off the bat. Right, exactly. So another way that we're going to do the history of a reported location is we're going to check documents. Documents are a big thing. Uh, manuscripts. I, I love going to a library and just digging into the history of it just to find out the, like I said, the history of a location, finding out exactly what happened. If someone wrote something about the place, uh, like when we went and did uh, up there in Arkansas, mm -hmm. Little Rock, when we found some stuff from uh, MacArthur. Right. And he talked about his time as a boy being growing up there. And I thought it was pretty cool that the back rooms that we were actually in was one big, humongous room now, but it was actually the bedrooms. Right. It was actually the room that he was born in. Right. And I, I thought that was just amazing to me for the history there. Another place we can do a lot of things is your local historical society or historical organization. A lot of times they're going to have some information. You know, one of the things that I like here in Burke, we had the Burke Historical Society. And we those guys in there actually had some they sat down and interviewed some people that were around way back when, before they, you know, moved on. And we got a lot of information about, you know, first-hand stories coming from some of those things. Like when we did the, the train depot out there, yep. how it was across the tracks on one side, and they moved it completely over. Right. And then within the old train depot, they had all the pictures and everything in there of way back when, mm -hmm. when Burke looked like. And I just thought that was pretty cool. Because that's another way to look for the history and find out. Photographs tell it, you know, that it's actually a snapshot there. There's no line about it. There's no, it's, it's right there in, in front of you. Another thing is maps. We were doing some research here in Burke and we actually had a contact. Actually, Jeff made contact with somebody that provided us some old maps of right. the area. They weren't widely publicized maps. They weren't anything like that, but they actually told a, a big, a bigger picture about what some of the settlements in the area and things like that were. Because mm -hmm. I know right now there's only like one town here. And back then, there was, I believe, four towns right here around Burke. And I know one, like I talked about last week, one actually burned down. There's one that's a ghost town now that is, uh, I believe, it was like an old oil camp. And I can't remember what the, th what the fourth one was, but I know 
there used to be like a Buffalo Soldier encampment out past Burnett too. So you can always always find that stuff. And the way that I found it was doing a Google search, search engines. That's the best way that I found that if you want to find a lot of histories, because yeah, I like going to the library and stuff, but you got to use that Dewey Decimal System. And you know, yeah. me, I'm, I'm more of a geek. I'm not going to look at that. So right. And another area is the uh, you can go to county records, tax records. You can go to the right. land plat offices and yeah. things like that. There's a lot of research. Some of those things you have to pay for, but you know sometimes it's quite worth the few dollars you have to pay for them to make you copies. But they work. They work out really well. Exactly, too. and it's going to show you all the recorded history of that certain location that we're trying to find. So that's a good reason that we like doing that. Just uh, was looking at my notes here, and I just wanted. To, I just thought about something. But the, the libraries, most of your bigger libraries have most of the newspapers from the local areas on microfiche that you can go through. It's electronic now. They've transferred all those over, and you can scan through really rapidly and find newspaper articles. And you know, if, if somebody says, "I heard before we bought the house, or so and so's neighbor told them that this happened," well, you can actually go back and look through these newspapers and get a historical record of what actually may have happened during that time. Now, I noticed you mentioned microfiche. For us old farts, we know what that is. I actually teach in a class right now, and I tried to tell them about microfish, and they looked at me, what's microfish, Mr. Worth? Really? <laughs> so microfish is a, is a really tiny card with a bunch, a bunch of little pictures that you would need a humongous magnifying glass in order to look through everything. That's what microfish is, you young pups. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, most libraries even got rid of microfish and digitized it all right. now. Yeah. But uh, most, some, there's some libraries out there that still have the big microfish readers and things. And then people interviews. You know, they may tell you that, you know, you may have a witness that says, well, you know, this location used to be owned by this person. Well, you can look up that person. You can go see that person. And you can actually trace down the history through through a, uh, I think we have Mysterious Flies again from last week. I don't oh know where. I, guess I saw it too. I, I guess that one that I killed last week <laughs> said, oh, I got you now. But I think to me, one of the biggest parts of an investigation is your research. If you don't do your research up front, you can set yourself up for failure during the investigation. Definitely. There's been a lot of times when, you know, we may have gone and we, we just we didn't find anything or we, we found we were able to debunk a lot of things, but the history of the in the report that we give the client in the end, the history of that location, they were actually more impressed yes. with with right. what happened there. They actually learn something about what's going on and that sort of stuff. And a lot of times that history also can lead you to the paranormal causes as far as when things were built and why somebody did something a certain right. way and that might actually be a clue in right. the investigation. So after we get done with the doing all the research and everything, that's when we send in our recon team. Right. After the case manager says, Yeah, this is a viable location, viable case, go ahead and send in a team to do the recon on it. Right. Uh which is basically we're gonna set out probably three to four people, uh depending on who's available. And basically what they're going to do is scout the area, find a place that we can put operational command up there for ops to control the investigation, start doing baseline readings. We're going to take a bunch of photos. Yeah. You know, <laughs> photos from every angle. Later on, that may come useful when you can go back and have a reference photo. Right. We're also going to look to find out where we can put our uh, audio recorders, our DARs, and our video cameras find good locations that will get us the best angle for what they're claiming the paranormal activity might be. That way we can try and debunk it, find out what it might be, or if it is something paranormal. And just small little things like, you know, in the daytime, a road may have heavy traffic and you can hear the traffic going by. When you get there at 10 o'clock at night, you may not have that heavy traffic, so you set up your equipment. You All of a sudden, a car goes by and it's messing up your audio. One that if you, when you do your recon, you're going to notice more that you're going to be near busier hours and you're going to see right. those traffic, those things that are happening different lights coming in windows, that sort of stuff. Right, and to stick on with the recon and everything, we're going to formulate a hypothesis of what might be happening out there. That's another reason why I like doing the recon. After we get the recon, the recon manager or whoever we sent out is going to give it back to the case manager, and that's when the case manager will bring it to the rest of us, and we'll come up with a game plan from there. We'll decide on, like we said, where we're going to put ops. Ops is going to be uh, basically, we're going to have a, an Excel sheet because ops controls everything out there. They control the whole investigation. So we're going to have an Excel sheet that's going to give us what members are investigating out there, what equipment we're using, where we're putting the equipment, baseline readings. Right. We're going to put all this in a document. That way, when it's time to do our review, review all the footage, we have everything that happened, what was used, and stuff like that. You know, as we're setting that up, Ops is going to... Uh I'm actually I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead here. I'm going to back up a little bit. <laughs> Once we get our members assigned mm -hmm. and everything's going, we're going to everybody's going to be assigned to a team. 
Now that team may change for the investigation. We may have an event where we think that maybe maybe something's interacting with with our female members. Maybe it's interacting with a junior member. So we can we can adapt those teams, and that ops log is going to track that as we go as well to any of those changes that we make. Exactly. And like you said, we run everything like a military operation. So we're going to have a site commander on site that's going to be in charge of everything. They're the one that's going to assign the team members. They're the one that's going to assign the teams, decide what we're going to hit first, how long we stay in a location. They're going to do everything, and they're also going to make sure that the safety thing, because I know Jeff is big on safety. We're all big on safety because we used to go in one person at a time. Right. We don't do that no more because of the things that happened. Right. So we always have two people in a location, and the site commander is in charge of that. Now, when we're actually doing the investigation, yes, the site commander is in charge of the entire investigation, but the one running the investigation is going to be ops because they're going to have eyes on us. They're going to have the radios to where they can hear us. They're going to have complete communication with the different teams, and they're going to send them around. But like I'm saying, ops records everything. Anything and everything that happens within that investigation we're going to call it back into ops. We're going to have the different teams like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, all the way through Foxtrot, whatever it takes. Uh, and just because you're assigned that team, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the team that you're on. It's how many different teams we've actually sent in. That way, when we go back through, it's not, okay, Alpha's always done this, but it's Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, all the way down to how many times we send in a certain team, whether it be uh, me and Jeff go in, or you and Jeff go in, or we have an all-females, or if Paul goes in with the junior members, but you're not a junior member no more. So (laughs) if we have a location that has kids in there, we want to send in our junior members that are younger, that maybe if it's interacting with someone young, it'll interact with our younger members. So it all depends on that. Ops is also going to, during the investigation, they're going to be monitoring the video feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we'll have, you know, if there's a team that's not in, maybe there's some people helping watch monitors. And if we see something, we can call it to the team's attention that's inside the investigation. Also, when we have our live audio feeds and things like that, they're able to listen and hear and maybe take note of anything that's happening yeah, real time. Into a, throw it into an Excel sheet, get it a timestamp to make it easier to review later. Right, exactly, because that Excel sheet actually helped us when we were at MacArthur right. because we had, I think it was like one of our very first big investigations that we did, and Joe was at the top of the stairs, and I know you and Kyle were down on the other side, right. and he had called ops and said, hey, you need to get up here. I just saw something. So we time-stamped it. I go up there and talk to him, and he's like, dude, something just crawled up these stairs and went in that room. I'm like, man, get out of here, man. You don't. Okay, whatever. And he's like, no, serious. Something just went in there. And so we're trying to look over here to see if maybe a shadow cast or anything like that. Right. Well, when we were doing the review party and everything, we came across two photos, and we put these on our website, but we came across two photos that Kyle had taken. And when we're taking pictures on an investigation, we're just snapping them around. It doesn't matter. It, we're just snapping them everywhere. But he took a picture of this one area and you see nothing in a doorway well then you take a picture of another one and there's something standing you can see an outline of a shadow in this doorway well the time stamp on that was the exact same time that joe had called it in and we went up there and he said this thing crawled in there the exact time stamp so that's why we like writing everything down making sure because it's something concrete the other thing you know with ops is sitting in and uh and recording something if we call in you know, hey, I'm hearing this weird noise, I'm hearing this go on or something, Ops can send another team member to take control of that situation and see what's going on, if there's something outside the uh, the, the structure that's causing the noise or something like that. So they can, they can actually, that's how we keep our control on the environment. Right, and the investigators that we're going to send in there, like I said, it's going to be mixed teams, depending on what we have to do. We're going to be doing different uh, experiments there and make sure... Because we have the paranormal claims that we're trying to find out what they are. So we're going to experiment, try and find out what would be causing it. Like they say, a door opens. So we're going to go take a level to it. We're going to make sure it's level. We're going to make sure that it doesn't stick, it doesn't swing open. There's no air blowing on it. Exactly. We're going to do different stuff like that. And I know with your contracting background, have all that stuff <laughs> that uh, the equipment. you do. The, the equipment and stuff. So. And one of the things I'd like to say is Rob made the mention about we don't send people in alone. Uh, for me, it's very important. I, I Safety, I always talk about safety, safety. The biggest thing you don't want to ever do is send somebody into an area alone, especially if they get in there, get dark, get confused, something actually happens. You want to have that one person or other person there that will be able to say, hey, we're, let's get out of here. Let's you know safely get out of here. 
because too many times you can get confused, get lost in an area, and before you know it, you could get hurt. Everything changes when it's dark. And right. you may be completely familiar with an area, but you can become quickly disoriented in the dark. Especially, <laughs> people don't realize when you purposely have an area that's blacked out, how dark it can actually be. Yeah, definitely. And I like to piggyback on what Jeff said about not going in there, because I did that. Uh, the place in Burke. Tough guy. Yeah, tough guy. Uh <laughs> I went in, and one of the cameras wasn't working. So I ran up the stairs, and it was dark, pitch black. It was when the team just came out. I was like, I'm going to fix this camera. So I ran upstairs by myself, tried to fix the camera. As soon as I got the camera fixed, got the power back connected to it, I started going back down the stairs, and something tried to physically push me down the stairs. I don't believe I tripped. I know I didn't trip because there were the steps. I felt a force try and push me down the stairs. Mm -hmm. So that's why... I don't go in this place by myself. This Whatever is there, it's one of our hot spots. A bunch of stuff that we can't explain going on. We're going to get to that in a minute, too, but this yeah. place obviously does not like Rob. But, you know, it's a, if he had fallen down the stairs and we didn't realize it, you know, crucial time has been passing there that we could have gotten him assistance or something. And if I can for a second, we were talking about ops earlier, and I feel that ops is a very, very key thing to have because it's a centralized location that you can have all of your equipment, set up that monitors everything that's going on and having that site commander is paramount because you have one person in place that runs everything you have one central person that you can go to for issues what you want to do he or she will run that uh, investigation and the great thing i like about this is it's not the same person always we 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 divvied up so right. it, it could be like us the ones that help form mpi or it could be someone a brand new member Sure. Giving them the experience, okay, this is your investigation. Here you go. What do you want us to do? Right. That, that's why I like having the site commander. And, and it's nice because all of our members have done the research aspect of it, have done site commander, set up a bop. So everyone, you can cross-utilize those people in a, during an investigation. Exactly. Well, with that one, I, I guess we'll be getting into our next part of the, the show. So it's time for commercial. To Military Paranormal Investigations Radio, MPIR. Do you have what it takes to be a paranormal investigator, or would you like to be part of a new online research team? Military Paranormal Investigations has openings in both areas. There are no requirements for experience, equipment, or even an advanced understanding of the paranormal. Just a desire for the truth. MPI membership acceptance is primarily based on character and level of commitment to the organization. MPI is looking for dedicated individuals with certain personalities that are willing to investigate the paranormal with an open mind. We are not an outlet to investigate or experience the paranormal through the thrill of a ghost hunt. If you are truly interested in learning the ways to research and explain the paranormal with a professional team, then Military Paranormal Investigations is for you. MPI personnel use their individual experiences and knowledge from different backgrounds to help explain possible reasons for any claimed paranormal activity. We are skeptics dedicated to finding facts by eliminating or revealing any possible scientific explanations for such phenomena. For more information or to apply for membership, visit www.militaryparanormal.com or email us at contact.us at mpi-paranormal.com. The truth is to be found. Not available in all areas. For safety reasons, all applicants must be 16 years old. Paranormal study may cause heart attacks, scared death, or hospital possession of one or other. MPI is not responsible for any injuries or discomfort caused by anything paranormal in order. Brought to you by Military Paranormal Investigations. No affiliation to any branch of military. I'm not going to Google a ghost story and read it to you in a really way so you can get frightened. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. Many years ago. Like us and leave your comments on our Facebook page. Welcome back to Military Paranormal Investigations Radio. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. I'm Paul. And I'm Jeff. And we just came back from our uh, 
doing our little commercial out there. I hope you liked it. We just threw something together for that. Don't forget to like us on our Facebook page, all one word, Military Paranormal. You can also find us at www.militaryparanormal.com. Also, one of the things we we missed it in the beginning was our Twitter feed, I believe, uh, yes, which we is did. MPI underscore paranormal, and uh, we just got that kind of going back up again. <laughs> yeah, we did. Forgot about that one. All right, so before our commercial break, uh, we talked a little bit about research, how we research an investigation, how we uh, do a setup, and the different types of teams. Now, the biggest part is doing the investigation. That's the biggest part because we're doing all the experiments. Doing EVP sessions, right. uh, it, it creates a lot and lot of what we like to call footage. Hours upon hours of footage. The not so fun stuff. Yeah, the yeah. not so fun stuff. Yeah. Which can be the fun stuff. Yeah. But we have to have a review and analysis right. of that after we do all the investigations because, like I said, we have all this footage. That you you might have heard me talk about it before. If we've got six DARS running and we're there for six hours, that's 36 hours of audio we have to analyze. Then we have video. We have six cameras going at six times. That's 36 hours of video footage we have to re mm -hmm. review and analyze. Um, it can become a daunting task. So what we do is um, we actually assign, usually at the investigation, we'll start assigning our team members portions of each of the files to, right. to look at. Mm -hmm. We'll overlap that so we're getting more than one set of eyes and ears on it. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a log. And that log, as they're listening to the audio or watching the video, they're going to actually go in and log down the timestamp of when that's happening. Now, at that time, at their disposal, they actually have the ops log. Right. The ops log, if they if they hear something at a certain time, they can look at the ops, ops log and make sure that it doesn't have something that happened there, or it might actually confirm what they've heard. You know, just uh, the other day, yeah, the other day, just the other day when we were down at um, the, the the Boy Scout camp, we thought what we heard was a whisper and. We thought we heard some things go on, and then we actually went back, and there was a whisper on the mm -hmm. on the audio recording. And the other one that uh, uh, you guys heard a screech, yes, <laughs> right. but it was actually a hawk right. doing it, and we were able to to notify you guys. You're like, did you guys just hear this uh, screech? And we're like, yeah, it was a hawk outside. So we have all that stuff in ops. Once everybody's analyzed that, and gone over it, and put it on their logs, then we're going to. Shuffle that around, have people review those logs, review all of that input of that data, and then we can actually make a determination of what's kind of going on there. If we have any questionable things, you know, uh, we can go back and do a um, recreate the environment right. where we can go back. You know, there was a, a building, we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, a little bit. We kept hearing this clicking noise, just over and over, this clicking noise. And it dawned on me whenever we were listening to this, after hours of hearing this clicking noise, it sounded like this building had, it was old, built in 1907, it had the copper wires run through the ceilings for the power. And it actually had the lights that came off of that, and they had a little paddle switch that clicked. Well, it sounded like what was going on was that something was clicking one of these lights. So... We were actually able to go in there, put our audio recorders exactly the way we found them, and you know our audio recorders are stereo, so each each one has a channel. We were actually able to rule it down to which light we thought was actually being turned on or off. Now, was it that light, or was it a? We talked about it last week. Was it a uh, what type of font? The residual. The residual font. Mm -hmm. There you go. That was your trivia for the day. <laughs> well, I knew that because I'm the one that talked about it. <laughs> Should have given yeah. it to Paul. So it, was it a residual? You know, was it something that we were hearing there, or was it something actually manipulating that light? Now, that we weren't able to actually right. get to at that point in time, but we feel it was probably at least the sound of that light switch going. But that's some of the, the uh, way we can recreate what we've done based off of all of our footage. Mm -hmm. But back to the logs, one of the important things to have is that ops log and the audio logs because a lot of times... Members that are reviewing may not have been at the investigation. Exactly. We may assign them an audio review and they're like, well, I think I hear something. Well, if they're, we don't have that ops log that says that the bird was screeching or the whisper was heard, they may not know what happened. So it's key to have those ops logs when they're going through their review. Right. And the thing I like about the review is they write down anything and everything they think they might hear but they don't write down what they heard. Right. Like EVP sessions, because we talked about the different classes of EVP sessions, how we do an EVP. We don't actually tell you what you heard. Right. Because we want to get Class A EVPs. That's that's the one that you want to try and get the most of, that you're trying to debunk a Class A EVP. Class B is the one that we actually have to tell you about. On our logs, when they're going through, they don't actually write down what they heard. They say possible voice. 
something was said. And then they'll go and give that to another member, and they'll look at the log, okay, I'll go back and review this one. And I'll look, yeah, okay, there's definitely a word there. And then we'll give that to every other member, and then every other member will write it down. And if it's everyone heard the same thing, then yeah, we, we have a classified, bona fide EVP. But the thing I like about our group is if, for instance, we don't come to a consensus on that, we're not going to provide that to the client or whoever it might be as evidence. Exactly. So It's like we say, when in doubt, throw, throw it, out. it out. But like you were talking about the client, the debrief. So after we've done all this footage, if we find something liable, uh, we're going to give a liable explanation to the client. But the great thing about it is, even if we don't find anything, we're going to give the client everything that we didn't find. Right. That's what I like about it, too. So we're going to give all the footage to them. Uh, we're going to give them all our notes, everything that we found. And if there's something paranormal there that we're unable to explain, we let them decide. We don't actually say, okay, this is paranormal. Right. The, but if they want our interpretation of what it might be, we'll give them that as well. But we don't go around like you can see some of these other groups. Okay. This is Aunt Sally in this orb. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We're, we're not going to tell you. I mean, we, we may give you our opinion once you've come to your conclusion. We feel that you have some sort of activity, but we're going to present you the footage and let you determine whether or not you feel you have something unexplained. Right. Like uh, the one that we had here in Burke, that house where they claimed that something crawled up from their basement. Right. We actually did capture some EVPs in there, and we didn't know what we caught. But they were Class A. We all heard the same thing, so we provided that to the client. Well, when the client started hearing this, he just started breaking down in tears. We are like, okay, what was this? And he was saying that it was his, I believe his grandmother that had passed away, called him a certain name, and that's what he heard, and that's what we all heard, but we didn't know what it was. He felt as though there was something, an intelligent haunt. He felt that it was his grandmother. We didn't give him that. He also thought that he had a, a peace of mind, a closure. So you were able to give him that. that. That's what I like giving him. But there was nothing crawling out. Well, and, and for instance, the, another case that we had was down south in uh, uh, Schneider, Texas, mm -hmm. where we had a family who a child was experiencing claw marks, uh, hallucinations, and everything else like that. Through our investigation, it was determined that in the house... There was high levels of EMF, mm -hmm. as we know, one of the things... That were caused from, not. I mean, they were all explainable. Right. And then underneath the house was black mold right. that was growing, which can also cause hallucination, sickness, everything else. Many so physiological we, So when we provided that information to the client, it gave them a sense of relief and understanding that it wasn't anything paranormal. Right, because that, that was the one where they called us um, frantic. And uh, they were saying that they felt something demonic was in the house. Their kid was getting scratches. The kids were always in the hospital being sick. So we, we immediately rushed down there. It was actually my birthday. And I drove three hours down there just to go do the interview with them. Right. And on my way back, because I, I took pictures of everything, the child actually had like claw marks on them. And I was like, okay, this is something that we need to come in and, and, and find out what's going on. So I... Contact you guys right away, uh, hurried up, got back there, and we were back the next weekend mm -hmm. doing this investigation because I had no clue. I didn't go underneath. I didn't find the surface mold, but I did see the high EMF coming in. I did see the two air conditioning units in there. I did see the uninsulated uh, power box right on right the outside, outside of his window. Right. So he had an entire fear cage around that house so yeah he was getting the hallucinations and what he was doing was he was doing the scratching he was doing the itching in the middle of the night because he was getting so uh worked up exactly and this kid i believe he was only like four four, year, four years mm -hmm. old and he was i mean they were serious scratches so right. last week we had our terminology and we think we talked about that but i wanted to tell people what a fear cage where it was okay. real quick we had a uh, if you have for instance, in this house, you had three walls that had major power sources on them, and they were running in excess of 100 milligauss, which is a normal rate is like 0 .08. That's not harmful. So each one of these was in there. You had the black mold on the bottom. All of these factors can cause physiological effects. Right. 
Well, he was basically surrounded by it, and they call that that term in that in that instance is called a fear cage. I just wanted to make sure that people understood what that was. Yeah, that was, that was one of the the great ones. I, I I like going and if someone claims they have paranormal activity, I like going there and trying to find a logical explanation. That one, there was no paranormal activity whatsoever. We were able to debunk everything. We were able to give them a good report. They were happy about it. Uh, we actually called them like six months later. The kids weren't in the hospital no more. They were sleeping in their own rooms because you told them how to shield it, how to... Uh, they had contractors come get rid of the mold. Exactly. We, we told right. them all that. And they also put in the, the help of help, HEPA filters, I think is what they call them, mm -hmm. the, the ones that... Right. HEPA. Mm -hmm. HEPA. So, yeah, we told them to put in all that stuff right there, and they were living a better life. I mean, even to this day, I'm sure there's nothing going on with them because we haven't had any calls with them. Every once in a while, we'll get feedback from our clients, but that was one of my favorite cases. Well, I think it's, it's good we did this because we just segued right into our next topic, which is cases. Right, yeah. Yep. So, you heard a few of our cases. I think, for me, <coughs> one of the most interesting cases uh, or areas that we went to is a place called Copper Break State Park. Mm. And like uh, if you've never been there and you're close to the area, I would suggest that you take a trip out there. Well, not only Copper Break State Park, but you got Quanah out there, you got Medicine Mounds right. out there. There's a lot of history. You got the Peace Battle River or Peace, Peace River Battle mm -hmm. that happened there out there. So it's all around that location. And the great thing about it is Copper Breaks has like a memorial inside that talks about the history of the location. There's a lot of Native American history and culture in the area. Right. Wow. The, uh, the Copper Breaks is also where we do some of our workshops and right. things too. Yep. That was a that was a great location. Uh, we've gotten some video, mm -hmm. which is on our website. Yep. Um, it's on YouTube as well. So. Uh, that shows what we're not sure yet is <laughs> is happening. Uh, we'd like you to go out and take a look at it. Yeah. Maybe give us some feedback on what you think it might be. you got to understand, guys, and we talked about this. We we don't do orbs, and that's just the plain <laughs> yeah, I, I don't fact do of the matter. It, it's dust, sorry. However, this one particular video, we have what appears to be, and no other definition of it, a, an orb. And it interacts. It doesn't fit the, the criteria. Our filters don't see anything in it that appears to be a bug of dust or anything like that. Mm -mm. It interacts uh, with our team members. Yeah, and the great thing about that one is there's a member, a junior member sitting down there on the floor in the middle. And he has a K2 meter and he has an EM pump. And for those of you that don't know what an EM pump is, it's going to throw out, uh, it's a it, generator pretty much that right. throws out an electromagnetic <laughs> field. Basically, it's just a magnet that spins really fast. And the theory is that it gives, if there's something that's going to manifest itself, it'll give it the energy that it needs right. instead of pulling the energy from, say, our batteries or our other equipment. Or being too weak to be able right. to Right, it's do a anything. large amount. Exactly. And he had that on the floor, and you could see something flying overhead him. So we called in another member, said, "Can go check this out. Now right. remember, we're in ops, so we're watching this the entire time that's going on. And we tell him to come over. He can't see anything. It's pitch black. Both of them can't see anything. It's pitch black in there. But we see this thing. I was like, we're telling him, okay, look up. Do you see anything reflecting on the ceiling? Anything at all? And he's telling us, no, there's nothing around there. And as he's looking around, you can see this thing, whatever it may be, it's in the shape of a white orb, if you would, and it's it, a ball. There you go. It's a white ball. There we go. And it, it's looking it's, it's looking at him, I guess, is the only thing I can say it's doing. It's just around him, checking him out, right. if you would. Right. So we're telling him to put his hand up in the air and stuff like this. And this thing actually comes and touches his hand. Right. And when it's doing this, it's so close that the... The other member, junior member, sitting on the floor, the K2 starts going off. Right. So he's trying to figure out what's going on because he doesn't know what's going on by looking up above. He can't see anything. But the K2, he's, he's moving around. Okay, where, where, why am I getting hits all of a sudden? So it's it, still something I can't explain. It, it was almost like it was trying to say, hey, look at me. I'm here. Yeah. So, but, I mean... It's like you, you relabeled it because I had it as unknown because I don't know what it was. Right. But you said... Is it a real orb? I, I don't and I know. mean, it went on for, oh my goodness, three to five minutes or more? Yeah, three to five minutes. And the other thing about it is it happened the next night too. Right. So that's why I really don't know what, I can't label it, but that's one of my favorite things that happened out of Copper Breaks. Now, Mike, when we're talking about cases, I think this one comes up because for me, it was it's one of my favorite oh, cases. Oh yeah, I know where you're going. Uh, I'll let Mike explain it. But I'll, I'll give you a little bit of lead-in. We were doing an investigation here in Burke, 
and the front half of the building is uh, is like a business area, and the back half of the building had full of antiques that was back in this room. Storage with right. a lot of antiques. Ops, and... ops was set out directly behind the building. We had cameras running into the building. I will say that night there was a decent thunderstorm in the it, area. It was about, I think it was about 86 degrees. It was July. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a, a warm night. Okay, so with that said, I'm going to go ahead and let Mike tell you the rest of the story. So, it, and I'm, I'm going to add on a little bit of what Jeff said here. This is a, it was about 86 degrees. We had turned the power off to the building. So Jeff and I go into the front of the building, and we, we go back, and I think we were actually in the middle room, right, which was were. an office, we yeah, were. and we kept hearing something mm-hmm. in the back. And I believe Ops even called in and said, hey, yep. there's and, something. And that's how it that, started. Because, because I was in Ops, right. and I saw like uh, I, I saw mm-hmm. a flash, and I was like, hey, uh, team, Bravo team, can you go check this out? So we as we mm-hmm. go into the room, there are, you have to keep in mind, okay, I might give you a visual here. There's a an aisle on the left side of the room. An open aisle. Mm-hmm. And then there are like three major rows of shelves that come off to the right. Well, about the middle row of shelves, as I turn, I'm in front of Jeff. And as I turn, I, um, according to these guys, I become oh, rather yeah. excited very rapidly. Rather excited. That, that's putting that it mildly. <laughs> but I see a lady in a white dress. And, and she's an older lady. And it appears to be what I would call a period garb, you know, era garment it's a it's like an old dress like it wasn't that much detail and i was kind of like my blood pressure is probably through the roof at this point but there was a lady standing in front of me and and then mike turns to me because i'm behind him and says do you see the lady in the white dress well first of all it's pitch black i don't see anything in this room the um so as i'm talking about the lady in the dress talking that that's mildly lady in my dress lady in my dress lady in my dress I, I remember Jeff grabbed me on my arm, and, and he's, as he's got my arm there, and as I kind of turn to see what he's, because I don't realize he's kind of grabbed my arm, as I turn to see that, and this is where I think Jeff and I, everything kind of rolls together, mm-hmm. there's basically this, now the lady that I'm watching just kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, it was kind of like poof, she was yeah, all gone. dissipated, sure. Yeah, I mean, just kind of dematerialized, there's another one of our terms. <laughs> we, anyway, as I turn to kind of see what's going, what Jeff's, grabbing my arm for basically this what i see is a mist and it just kind of rolls over kind of over over our arm right right and i think jeff you, you can attest to this it was almost like you were in a rainforest well yeah and that was it because i had shown i put my flashlight up to see maybe if i could see what he was talking about and i could physically see the mist form and like mike said i kind of had his arm so it had gone over my arm. Well, as they said, it was 86 degrees, so I had a short sleeve shirt on. Every hair on my arm stood completely up as that mist crossed my arm, went over us, and then went to the other side of Mike and just dissipated. Well, it kind of, what I, and that, that's where I think we, as we got a, what I thought it kind of went down the hallway, back into the hallway we just came out of. And what I remember is it got really cold. Well, and to make a long story short here, our, our data loggers got, uh, was a 13 degree temperature. Yeah, 13 degree, mm-hmm. yes. As this happened. Now, again, we're August or July right. in the middle of Texas in a building with no air conditioning on. We had a 13-degree temperature drop that came back up. But I remember calling the ops, and I remember I, I, remember I said, um, <laughs> I think it's going down the hall. I think I was a little more excited than that, but I think it's going down the <laughs> hall. And all I got back from ops was, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we just saw, like they said, all we saw was a mist go down the hall. I believe it broke the laser beam. Yeah, it did. It broke the laser beam that we had out there. So it, it... Now, in defense of Mike, I'll give you this. He he did get excited, but he didn't run. He didn't get panicky. He, he kept his composure as much as he could at that moment. You know, I had been doing this, I think, at that point in time, about three years. And that's a once in a life. I mean... There are people that's been doing this forty years that yeah. have never seen a full body apparition. I still um, haven't. No. And what I I mean, to me I, I consider myself very lucky and blessed to have actually witnessed that, but it was a I might talk about your hair standing up. <laughs> I, it's uh, my hair standing up on you right now. But at the same time I remember we got an E D P and it was sounds like to all of us is an old lady going, No kinda of, excuse me, my voice is cracking, kinda of, Kind of yes, screaming, okay. kind of squealing, you know, squealing in the background. And that's also the same place that we talked about this on, I think, one of our earlier shows about the owner was doing some renovation and actually found an old white dress inside one of the Yeah, that walls. was like months later. Yeah. Was it the same lady? I don't know. But the, the good thing about that one was 
not only did he find that, but one of the other EVPs we had up there was what we heard was Gabby. Well, and that was, and I'll, I'll tie this together here. There's anybody that's familiar with Burke that's listening to this, Burke Burnett. That building where we were at actually used to be an old gun store. Uh, there's bullet holes in the ceiling, that mm. kind of stuff. And what the the legend was in the story, we actually found out there was some truth to it. But the gun store, the gentleman would go in the back of the gun store. There was a an entrance kind of stairs that went up and went across the back, and actually where you get the term catwalk from, they would go across one building, the back of one building, into another building. And we had, when, and this ties in to another segue, Jeff. This ties into another building that one we talked about earlier with Rob. But when we were in the um, this next building was actually it's two buildings away. There was a um, we kept hearing we actually heard it, I think twice on the video. Mm-hmm. What we heard was Gabby, yeah, and it was Gabby <clears throat> about that plane. It was a female voice. Well, it was again. It was another situation where months later we were going through some records and we were going through some stuff, mm-hmm. and we remember I remember. It was talking about Gabrielle. Right. And then whenever we reviewed that, all of a sudden, I don't remember who it was, it clicked. There's actually a name written on the wall. I believe Misty told us. Yeah, Misty Misty told us. There's a name written on the wall. And we went back up there, and there is. There's Gabrielle written on the wall. So that that was a pretty good Class A EVP that we had on that. But this building... Whatever, it's our hotspot. It's our go-to whenever we feel down and depressed with ourselves so that <laughs> we can go uh, enjoy the paranormal area. But this building doesn't like Rob. No, I, I think this is the only building that we've ever classified as a... We all feel it's haunted. I mean, that's... As an intelligent haunt. As, oh, yeah. as well, interacted. I'll give you my story of it real quick. When we first were setting up, I had gone upstairs, and the thing we do is we put our uh, digital audio recorders out mm-hmm. uh, at each applicable lo- uh, lo- loca- uh, location, and uh, I had just set set it down, walked downstairs. We were doing the rest of the setup. I didn't think anything of it. Well, we started doing our review, and right after I had set that DAR down, you can plainly hear, get out. Yeah. Real loud. Right after. Right after I had walked out of there. And it wasn't a nice get right, out. Right, exactly. It, probably because I was up there as well. It probably, didn't, it didn't, yeah, and, and maybe it, so. Maybe because, so. Because I'm not sure. Um, it, it's like you were talking about. It's it's one of our hot spots, and it does not like me whatsoever because at that time I still had my glasses. Right. And I had my headphones on, my glasses on, and I'm walking down the hallway. Next thing I know, it felt like... Well, you would... We had we had our we had our kids. Our kids never get to experience some That's of this right. sometimes. And we were in a room, and Rob had gone in to talk to him. Right. And as he was sitting there, the camera's looking at his hands and his chest, mm-hmm. and you see his glasses just get ripped off my face. And that was the same time we caught the tough guy. Yeah, it called me a tough guy. Out it there. says, "Hey, tough guy." We need to put that EVP on. Our, I, I think I'll get it for the next show. <laughs> and before before we go on to other cases, I had one that I'd like Rob to talk a little bit about. A few years ago, we uh, got the opportunity to meet another group down in uh, Texas Town. They had what's called the Motley County Jail. Mm, oh, you're talking about my experience. And experience. Uh, okay. We went down, we investigated the jail with, with the other group, and we got lucky enough to have the opportunity to go into a home of some people that they felt were having some paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. So we, myself and Rob and a few others went over to the house and we started doing our investigation. I unfortunately had to leave the room. Well, actually, everyone left and just left me, you, and this other individual. That's right. Because it was actually his grandmother's house okay. that had passed away in there. Okay. And there was no power onto this place. They put uh, plastic bags all around the windows, so there was no light getting in whatsoever. But, like you were saying, but you had to leave. Yeah, we were doing our investigation. Well, for me, I if sometimes if I eat right before an investigation, don't eat whatever I have, my stomach gets loud. It grumbles. Right. So one of the things that we'll do is we... Either A, I'll say that was my stomach on the recording, or I'll just leave it because I don't want the audio tainted with that sound. Right. So I I, I excused myself, and I'm really upset at myself because I did. I'll let Rob explain what happened after I left. So as he left, the guy that I'm with, like I said, he was part of the other paranormal group, and it just happens to be his grandmother's house that had passed away probably about six months earlier. So we go into her bedroom, and there's nothing in there. It's It's... 
the only stuff that was in there was probably stuff in the bathroom and the furniture yeah. in the living room, I think, mm-hmm. was a couch or right. and a chair. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing whatsoever in, in her bedroom. Uh, they sold all that stuff. But we're in there. It's pitch black because, like I said, they put trash bag covers all around, tinfoil. No light whatsoever can get into this. So it's just me and this guy sitting here, and we're actually sitting on the floor. And he's sitting on my right side. And I have a K2 meter in front of me. And we put the, um, uh, modified it so it can stay on by itself. You don't have to put a coin in it. Normally you got to put a coin in there, but we put it to where it just stays on with a click. We modified it. So anyways, I have it sitting down here. I'm sitting Indian style, and the K2 meter is sitting probably a good foot in front of me. The other guy is sitting right next to me. I have a camera with me. It was Jeff's camera. Really didn't use it. Um, Jeff knew how to use it. I didn't know how to use it. But him and I are doing an EVP session. He's trying to uh, have an EVP session with his grandmother, if you would. Well, we're into it probably about a good two to three minutes. And I'm looking down, and the K2 meter just starts pegging. It's going back and forth, up and down, and then it just stays a solid red. And I'm like, dude, you checking this out? He's like, yeah, I see this. Well, all of a sudden, this K2 meter starts doing a freaking figure eight in front of us and he's like are you touching that i was like no i ain't touching this and all of a sudden he's like i'm feeling this cold spot and it's like what do you mean he's like on my arm i'm feeling this cold spot it's like something is touching me right now and i'm like are you serious dude because like i said this is another paranormal group we've never investigated with them before i really didn't know them except for this time that we met him up there at the motley county jail so I'm thinking, okay, he's pulling my leg. He might be touching the K2 meter and everything. I grab the K2 meter, put it down, it stops moving. I was like, all right, because it was actually moving. And like I said, I can't see him, but he's right next to me. And he's like, something is touching my arm. And I was like, okay. And he's like, okay, now it's, now it's to my chest. Okay, now it's, now it's coming over my left arm. And at this time, I start feeling the coldness on my right arm. And I'm like... What the heck, dude? And next thing, I I see a mist start forming over my arm and his arm. And because it is so dark in there, it's just now a white mist. I can see physically a white mist, and I can start seeing his arm with my arm. And it, it's just both engulfing us. And the next thing I know is this thing is a solid white mass. Kind of like I'm in a dry ice room. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Do you see this? Do you see this? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, here, take the picture. Take the picture. Take the picture. So I'm passing the camera off to this guy. He's like, how do you work it? How do you work it? I was like, I don't know. And so I'm just trying to, this this thing has now completely engulfed my entire body. And I'm trying to blow it away. And it's not blowing away. I'm like, nothing is happening. I'm trying to fan this thing. Nothing is happening. And it's just a tire mist. And my entire body, everything, all my hair is up. He's like hair up and it's there for good I would for me it was like two to three minutes but I guarantee it's nothing more than 10-15 seconds but I'm just trying to push this white mist away and it goes over to the side comes over in front of us and then just dissipates and we're like uh uh we gotta go get Jeff so we go outside and we're like Jeff you gotta come out there you gotta come and witness this thing see if we're just making this up He's like, all right, let, let's go on in. Well, we try and go in. We open up the door. It slams shut. Yep. We're like, okay, maybe it's just the wind. Maybe it's just the wind. <laughs> so we open it again. The thing slams shut again. This time with a little bit more force. We're like, all right, it doesn't want us to come in. So we left. And that was the last time I was in that place. But that, like you and had your mist, that was my once-in-a-lifetime experience with the mist. And that was the only time I've ever had a mist. But it was like a dry ice mist. So cold, so thick, so dense, almost like a fog. But it, it, was, it was just amazing for me. I, that was my one paranormal experience that I can't explain. Yeah. They, uh, that was pretty good. I missed well, that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you uh, got to talk to the listeners about that. Because for me, and, and I'm like Mike here, I really feel bad that I wasn't able to be in there when that actually happened. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. That's why I like working with other groups, because right. uh, you can do that networking. Which we need you, to go back there. Uh, yeah, we do need to go back to Motley County, because, I mean, the sheriff there, he was like, you guys need to come back. And he wanted to join us. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Um, and I know every week on our show we talk about another different type of paranormal group. Uh, one that's a little bit closer to home for us is the Wilberger County Paranormal Group. 
Um, they're pretty much just a Facebook group, and it's out there in Little Burger County. Most of them live out in Vernon. Uh, they formed about four or five years ago, like I said, as just a Facebook group. Right now, they have about 104 members out there. Um, I'm one of them uh, because I'm trying to get some of them to come over and do an investigation with us. Tamara, she's one of the admins over there. Um, but basically, they're just out there to talk about different paranormal claims. If they can try and get an investigation together, they'll talk about that, do that. Everyone throws up pictures, discusses any type of paranormal topics. Um, like I said, I've invited them to come and join us and investigate with us. Tamara, she's uh, kind of like on hiatus right now because she's planning her wedding, which is pretty cool. If I'm not mistaken, I believe she's going to get married in May. But yeah, uh, one of the other pre person that is with her is uh, Josh B. and Stan M. I've actually talked to Josh, and he heard about our little podcast, and he said anything that he can do, he'll more than happy help us with that. So You can search him up on Facebook at Woodburger County Paranormal. And that's right. And we also have always our tech corner, our questions. Right now we don't have anything live, <laughs> so we really can't uh, take questions for this. But if you do have any questions from listening to our podcast, like I said, you can contact us at radio show at militaryparanormal.com or contact us uh, on our Facebook, Facebook page, page, all one word, Military Paranormal. But one of the main pieces of equipment that we use is uh, the cameras. I know we talked about our camera that one of our very first ones that Jeff bought at uh, Harbor Freights, a little <laughs> itty bitty, like three inch camera. That we thought this 12 is, IR on it, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, really didn't do anything, but the, the kind that we like to use is a, uh, has a 72 IR camera. It has a Sony IFIO, I believe, E I F F O. And basically, that's a chip inside. And the reason we like using those is because it has a great noise reduction on there, so you don't see a picture that's all grainy. And we also have anywhere from the TV lines, you want to make sure that you have a good camera that has a lot of TV lines. And the TV lines are the ones that, if you look at a camera on a TV, you'll see the horizontal lines going up, up on it. But if you have a lot of them, you're not going to get that type of grainy picture, and you won't have that you'll see a clear, crystal clear picture. Another good thing about this camera, it has anti-blur. The thing about anti-blur is if you have a bug on the screen that moves really quick, you're gonna get a blur across it. But this has an anti-blur, so you actually see the bug moving across and it'll make a little line, if you would. So you can actually know if it was bug or if it's a dust particle or something like that. The uh, wide dynamic range, or WDR, pretty much is an improvement of visibility. So if you have a dark room with the low light, and then you have someone way off in the distance and someone closer to the camera, it's going to put the contrast in the medium so you can actually see both the person in front and the person in the back without the blurriness in there. So that's why I like that one, have the high contrast. Even when it's completely dark, it'll do that. That's why I like using those cameras. That's, that's a big improvement from our... From our... Yeah, exactly. But you know, you have to, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, these, you know, uh, if you're just listening, you got to start somewhere. It's a good little camera. For what it did there, so you know. right, right. But if you if you need to, you can, um, like I said, contact us and let us know. We'll tell you exactly where we get our cameras from. Uh, it's a little good little camera. It only cost us anywhere from sixty to seventy dollars. It's not a high end one, but like I said, it has seventy two IRs. The cameras that you can get that have the most IRs is better. That way, you get a better nighttime vision, if you would. And then, if you have one that really doesn't, you can use an IR floodlight. Exactly. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's really good. I like those cameras. Yeah. You know, the last time we went, we actually set, went up in a field and put the IR flood on it. And uh, it really kind of yeah, brightened up everything. Well, with that, I guess it's time for us to sign off. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast tonight. Like I said, you can find this on uh, Podbean. If you just type in paranormal, we'll show up normally on the first page. But if you type in military paranormal, uh, you'll get us. Don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to us on, on Podbean. And Facebook. And Facebook. And uh, help us if you can get us to 100 subscribers on YouTube. We'll have our own channel. It makes us a little easier to search. Um, that's our shameless plug for tonight. Yeah. Okay, well, what about next week's show? There we go. How about we do a show on uh, different classifications of uh, paranormal? Because I know I had someone come in and we were doing the whole talk about uh, what we are, what we do, but they really didn't know what the different classifications of paranormal are. I mean, we got uh, ghosts or spirits, right? And then, of 
course, extraterrestrial or ET UFOs. Right, 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 ancient yeah. aliens. Exactly. Ancient aliens, that's a good show. Yeah, I, I like that, that show. Uh, physical abilities, well, like psychics. Some psychics. Uh, mediums, stuff like that. ESP. ESP. And then. Uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But I, I think we'll have a good show for next week. Okay, well, thanks again for listening to us. All right, y'all have a great night.